0: Well, in this message series, Stories That Jesus Told, we've been looking at difficult parables that point us towards learning more about God's character and about our character. And last week, we looked at the difficult parable, the story of the dishonest manager, and it appeared on the surface that Jesus was praising this dishonesty. But really, we learned that Jesus was making the connection that if people of this world can be savvy and creative with their resources. And the people of God can be ingenious and savvy in the way that they apply their resources towards God and others so that they don't find necessarily an earthly reward, but a heavenly one. Today we look at the very unusual story of Lazarus and the rich man. And this Lazarus is not the Lazarus that Jesus dropped was able to bring back from death, but is a different individual who obviously shares the same name. In this story, Jesus tells a parable of re- reversal of fortunes. So listen to the story that Jesus told from Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 19. There was a rich man who dressed in purple and fine linen, But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. rises from the dead. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh God, open our ears to hear your word. Open our minds so that we can understand and apply your love and compassion in this world. And open up our hearts to receive your love so that we may be hands and feet of your grace. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when I was growing up as a teenager in the Washington, D.C. area, I had a friend whose name was Tom. It's not his real name. But he came from a a blended, broken family with several step-siblings and half-siblings on both sides of his family. He was a product of divorce and a mother who worked very hard to provide for her family. And Tom grew up in a section close to my neighborhood that wasn't exactly absolutely awful, but not an exactly affluent neighborhood of many row homes and apartments. When Tom first came to visit my house, I'll never forget it, that he said that first time, Alan, you live in the rich people's neighborhood. This made me extremely, extremely embarrassed. Because growing up, I thought I lived in a pretty middle class setting. But to Tom, living in a single family home to him seemed rich. I mean, I had friends with larger, nicer homes in Potomac, Maryland where the politicians and the lawyers and the K-Street lobbyists live, surely, surely, those were the rich folks, I thought. See, there was a divider between my neighborhood and Tom's, and it was a thin row of trees, it was a thin forest that divided our two neighborhoods. Now, Before the time of Google Maps, you wouldn't know it unless you had to trudge through the forest to be able to see that there was a neighborhood on the other side. And yet this forest act as a wall, a division between our two neighborhoods. It was the chasm that existed between us. See, There were no paths, there were no roads, there were no trails for you to walk from one neighborhood to the other through the forest. As a matter of fact, you had to jump over not one, but two fences. And you were hoping that old man Withers wouldn't come out and yell at you for trespassing on his property. However, this natural divider, this separator between our two neighborhoods existed and according to Tom, it was the demarcation of the difference between his neighborhood and mine. It seems like The rich man from our story has created a wall between himself and Lazarus, both physically and emotionally, that there's something within our human condition, something that we tend to put up walls in our neighborhoods, that we tend to put up walls in our lives with those who are different from us. And we have this rich man who lives in luxury, and at his gate, at his wall, is poor Lazarus. And life has not been kind to Lazarus. He's sick. He has sores. His health is poor. Lazarus would even be grateful if this rich man would just give him scraps from his table, but the man doesn't even do that. The rich man doesn't even give Lazarus the time of day, let alone Simple scraps from his dinner table. If you open your Bibles and you look at this story, you begin to see that Jesus told the story, this story, to the disciples. Now, to the hearers of this story, the hearers of the story, being Jews, being the people of God, would know that in the story when Abraham is speaking about the law of Moses and the prophets, that there were basic laws, even in the Old Testament, even in the law of Moses, that required God's people to care for the poor. In Deuteronomy chapter 15, "...if among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns or your lands, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, for there will never cease to be poor in the land." Therefore, God says, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and the poor. And even in Leviticus chapter 9, that God's people were called to leave the sides of their fields to be uncut so that those in the community who were homeless could come and glean from those sections. Now the rich man It's obvious that he has an attitude that prevailed in his day. Because in the time of Jesus, if you were very wealthy, it was the prosperity that you were experiencing was seen as a blessing directly from God. It was a divine favor. That you had done something so good that you had been blessed with great resources. But, this man does not heed The compassion of the law of Moses that was taught. And both men die, and there's a chasm that separates the rich man from Lazarus, and their roles are now reversed. Lazarus is in a place of comfort, the rich man is in a place of torment. What a reversal of roles! The rich man wants to warn his brothers of the fate that lies ahead for them because it's clear that they themselves, that this family has been accustomed to their luxury and an indifference to those around them. But he is told that his brothers have the law of Moses and the prophets. The very Scriptures that I shared with you today. Lazarus' name is, comes from the Hebrew, Eleazar, which means God helps. And in Jesus' story, Lazarus' name becomes truth. The rich man did not see in his lifetime in this earth that Lazarus was his neighbor, that Lazarus was his equal, that Lazarus was deserving of the rich man's attention. Seeing ourselves and our neighbor is a challenging dilemma. According to a recent survey, a third of Americans said that they've never interacted with their neighbors, which is the complete opposite of what it used to be. According to research done over 40 years ago, a third of Americans said they hung out with their neighbors twice a week. Arthur Mark Dunkelman of the book The Vanishing Neighbor tells us that there used to be this necessity to reach out and build bonds with people who live by. And he reasoned why we see this decline, that there is limited social capital, that there is limited time and attention, and more ways to spend it. Dunkelman says that this, tra- this is tragic because we talk less with people who are different than us, people who have different opinions, And he says, in those everyday interactions that you might have, that you might not be convinced that you were right, that we used to understand legitimate, differing points of views of our neighbors. There are simply too many things vying for our attention. And we, as a society, tend to stick to the things we know and don't necessarily reach out to our neighbors. The narrative of my friend Tom, my neighbor from another neighborhood, did not end with us traversing the separation between our two neighborhoods. But my friend Tom, his life changed dramatically when his mother separated from her second husband. Tom had to move in with his grandmother in northern Virginia. And even though he lived in a really nice neighborhood, one that anyone would admire, I could tell that things had gotten more difficult for Tom. I could tell from the stories he told me that he struggled with drugs and hanging out with a crowd that got him in trouble all the time. But then he also told me that Tom, who was white, made friends with a black student at school, And he learned that his new friend was living on the streets. And after befriending him, Tom asked his grandmother and mother if his new friend could move in with them because he literally lived in the gutter. He was homeless, eating out of trash cans. Tom and his grandmother and his mother agreed to let the young man live with them. But here was my friend, 14 or 15 years old at the time, whose life himself that he was living was not that great. He saw a Lazarus in his community and decided to help. He looked past his own brokenness and struggles and saw a Lazarus living in the gutter of life and decided that he wanted to help. And when Tom took in this new friend. He, he didn't solve all his problems, all his troubles. But Tom saw the commonality and the humanness in, the, in this homeless teenager in the middle of suburban affluence. Tom wanted to bring basic comfort to an outcast in his community. He decided to act. Many years later, as adults, Tom and I, we reconnected, and he told me that he moved from northern Virginia all the way to California, all the way to Los Angeles, and he continued to struggle with substances, and he partied with celebrities in L.A., but he became clean, and he graduated from community college, and he started to get his life back on track, and he reconnected with his family, and made amends with them. Tom started on a a new path, a path of restoration. Unfortunately, recently, Tom's life took a traumatic turn, and he relapsed. In a very tragic way, he struggled. And just this year, he took his own life. Tom never shared with me the innermost details of his struggles. He never shared with me that which he was struggling with, what he was trying to medicate in his life. But every time I think of Tom, I think about how our neighborhoods were separated and the physical journey it took For us to bridge our relationship between the two. I think back to the times that we spent on vacation together, playing sports, living life together, all the while having to jump and run through barriers, chasms, separations, so that we who were separated by neighborhoods could be neighbors and friends. But even in Tom's life and his struggles, I knew that there was good in him. He battled his personal demons. And he unfortunately joined an increasing number of people who have succumbed to what we have now called deaths of despair. Which has increased anywhere between 56 and 387% in the last 20 years depending on age cohort. and the story that Jesus told, Jesus wanted to illustrate this, that if Lazarus suffered economic poverty, the rich man, he suffered from a compassion poverty. Jesus told this story not as a generalization, as a condemnation against wealth, but at the responsibility we have to the two greatest commandments, that if we love God with all our heart, mind, and soul, then we are to love our neighbors as ourselves, with our hands, our feet, and our hearts. Jesus told this story as a warning against, yes, sins of commission, but also sins of omission. And I think all of us suffer from what St. Augustine talked about in his work, Confessions, that we tend to take on a tragic position of distance. He wrote, that we all have a capacity in which we take on spectator, one that welcomes sad feelings, but also there's a way in which we are not moved to help, but merely invited to share And feel sadness. The rich man falls into this trap that he became a spectator of Lazarus and didn't see Lazarus at his neighbor. He let his gate, his wall, be a barrier between him and Lazarus. I bet all of us in this room, myself included, I'm willing to bet that you have a Lazarus in your life. And maybe you don't know Lazarus's name in your life, but you see someone in your life who needs help. Somebody who you see on the street, somebody who may be in your neighborhood or the next neighborhood, but someone who is in a poor disposition like Lazarus. And when we see those people, we cannot erect walls of separation that separate us emotionally, physically, and psychologically from these Lazaruses. We cannot turn a blind eye to them. But a simple warm meal, gloves on a cold day, maybe sharing our table with someone in your neighborhood who you know lives alone. Able to give some hope to someone who sees none. You know, as a congregation, if we ever want to see positive change in the lives of people in our community, we cannot be indifferent spectators, as Augustine talked about. But we must be agents of transformation. As a church, I believe some of our best ministry is done with our missions of the month and a Christian Caring Committee. Because I think we all need to be able to be actively involved in helping people find transformation, spiritually, psychologically, situationally. And that's why I'm excited that the Christian Caring Committee is having this lunch next Sunday in Miller Commons after church to ask people where they are, where they see needs, and to hear about the ways in which they can get connected to be the positive transformation of the Lazaruses among us. I hope you'll join us as a church as we all seek to be able to provide that transformation for people. That we can find that Lazarus out there in our life and be able to be those agents of change so that they can have an abundant, transformed life and a life with God. So may you, this week, find the Lazarus out there. Find the Lazarus in your neighborhood or the neighborhood next to you in our community, at work, on the street, and be able provide simple acts of care and kindness so that they can find peace and restoration. May you find the Lazarus out there and be the embodiment of God's love and care in their life. Let us pray. Oh God, sometimes... We find ourselves, as St. Augustine said, spectators of tragedy, spectators of seeing sadness on the streets. So God, we ask that you give us strength and grace in our hearts this week, that we individually can see those Lazaruses among us and to think thoughtfully about how we can provide care and basic needs. Them. God, help us to have an enlargement of our hearts, to not be callous as the rich man in the story that Jesus told, indifferent to others. But Lord, may we find that grace that you give so that we may offer that grace to others. God, may we as a church not merely be spectators of those Lazaruses out there, but God, we may be transformational agents of your love and grace. So God, inspire within our hearts the ways in which we can reach into our community and care for the least of these so that your power, of your transformation, about what it means for us to be the conduits of change and wholeness in people's lives. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.